0: All right, gang, here we go. Welcome to the first ever episode of Snow Jobs Dustings. Like I said, possibly a stupid name, but we're going to go with it for now. As always, I'm Steve, and I'm joined by my partner, Jeremy. What's up, brother? Oh, not too much. How about you, Steve? Uh, Nothing. Just uh, excited to kick one of these little educational things off here. Uh, So what are these Dustings episodes, guys? You guys are all loving the show. You've been asking for more. You didn't want to wait an entire week for a new episode. And we've heard you loud and clear. right. So here's what we're going to do for you. We're going to do a midweek short episode, 20, 25 minutes. That's going to deal specifically with education and hopefully help us all get better in this industry. We want to become more knowledgeable and uh, help our help make our companies better to do this. We're going to bring in a different industry expert or a person in a specific part of this industry who's incredibly knowledgeable in their area of expertise. So we hope you guys are all gonna enjoy these dustings and uh, that everybody can at least take away one little thing to uh, help you better your own companies out there. Jeremy, you got anything to add, bud? No, I don't think so. I think that's you pretty
1: much hit the head up, uh, the nail on the head there with all of the, what we're trying to go for. So a little Beautiful. more
0: education. All right. all right, so guys, without further ado, we wanna get right into this, keep it short. I would like to welcome Michael Santalucito from Outdoor Pride, which is based in Manchester, New Hampshire. And today he's going to go over the topic, which is the top five questions every snow contractor should ask of a new RFP before starting to prepare a bid. So Michael, welcome to the show, brother. And the floor is yours. Take us away.
2: Awesome. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. So with RFPs, you know, in the snow industry, you, you really live or die by them. You know, the verbiage inside over the years i found has been very cut and dry, almost copy and paste. Just, it's almost like legacy, right? The the newer property managers that we deal with now, they're taking it over from someone that's been at that building or that real estate firm for like 30 years plus years. So they probably had like a backdoor handshake deal with the guy that was doing it for a long, long time. You know, they knew exactly how they wanted it. You know, they, they never squawked about anything because they had a clear understanding of what needed to be done on the site. Unfortunately for a lot of us, the, uh, the turnover now is a lot of new property managers coming in. And I hope, you know, some of them listen to this podcast. It's not a dig on any of them. It's just the interior of the building is what they specialize in. And the exterior is always like absolutely dead last on their mind. That's what we, you know, we come in to educate them on what they need versus what the RFP calls for. So the top five that I came up with from my own personal experience doing this, uh, in the commercial industry now for 15 years, uh, The top five questions that I came up with are, do you guys have any chloride restrictions? A lot of sites do start to have them now as we're starting to get a little greener. You know, People don't want to see those sodium levels in the soil as much. I have a few clients that are very sensitive to that, and it can be tricky. Believe me, it's super tricky to navigate that. You almost feel like there's never going to be a right or wrong answer because safety is our number one concern. It's our liability on the line. So we want to make sure everybody's safe, getting into the – into the office space, out of the office space, into the hospital, the warehouse, whatever type of site that you do, Uh, it could be a storage facility. It could be retail centers. You know, everybody has their own different scope of what they need. And as far as like chloride restrictions, that could also be like, they need a certain type to be used. Maybe they have new concrete that they don't want to have damaged, you know, maybe it was just formed and maybe it was like a wet cure because it was so late in the season. So, you know, they might want you to use urea pellets, which is basically like walking on marbles. Absolutely awful stuff, but sometimes you just got to use it. Um, or they just tell you to use sand, which is the greatest lie ever sold to the American snow fighter. That stuff does not work. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, and, and unfortunately, a lot of the uh, the CONCOM associations out here, the... Um, they they want you to use sand on some parking lots if you're near like uh, wetland areas or if you're near any kind of streams or rivers or reservoirs, which is fine. We get that, but you know, as far as chloride restrictions go, if you can get away with using X amount of tons per square foot to keep things safe, you're in a good realm at that point. And then just whatever you can do to mitigate your runoff into stream waters and storm drains. You know, just keeping in touch with the client on what you're going to do to make sure that you're going to mitigate that as much as possible. That's going to be key for you. Um, Second topic I came up with is snow storage. Does anybody ever get a snow storage map with these sites? I mean, it's it's (laughs) gone to the point now where we're making them no matter what, whether you ask for them or not. We're using a a great company called Site Photos. I give them a plug because their site is fantastic. They are good. Um, The... We actually had the owner come out and do a seminar with us on both the snow and the landscape side because there's so much of it that we didn't even know existed in the website that we're now going to start using. So we do a site photos map for every single property to outline where the skid steers go, where the trucks go, where the loaders are going to go, and where the shovels are going to be stationed. And after that, the easy stuff, I call it we're going to do your snow storage. So after that, you're going to get a nice laid out map with all the little circles on where you think the snow is going to go and you send that back to the client and say, Hey, I know you're not too sure, but is this kind of in the realm of where you think you'd like to see it stored, you know, based on your parking needs and most of the time they'll come back and say, yeah, that's fine. And then you just kind of tweak it during the season from there, which is great. Um, but a lot of times, you know, they'll come back and say, well, you know, we really rather not push it there for X, Y, or Z reasons, you know, so-and-so likes to park there. They're a creature of habit. They come in at the same time every day and they get annoyed when their spot's covered in snow. Okay. No problem. Yeah. Um, but with snow storage, it can also get tricky too, because you want to make sure your line of sight area is coming around corners, leaving the property, entering the property, coming around a corner to another section of parking. You always want to make sure that that stuff is nice and wide open and there's no chance of you get into an accident. Sure. Um, third topic I came up with um, is uh, any spots or any areas of parking that need to be open at a certain time. And we, we have a lot of RFPs that call for this and it's mostly for some of the uh, hospital areas that we do or... of the warehouses that we take care of which is like a a lower end of our portfolio like size-wise we mostly do uh corporate campuses or you know one-off office parks with one or two buildings um so we we usually have like a mindset of make sure the front of your building is absolutely clean no handicap spots are covered all the first second and third row parking spaces are absolutely clean and then you work on the back 40 because everyone's going to rush to the front first sure That, Mm -hmm. that that's bar none Uh, fourth topic for me, which is always just, I ask it the first, because with, uh, before COVID everybody was at work. So parking was at a premium for a lot of this, uh, a lot of these spaces. So, you know, do you guys need all your parking spots back? Do you absolutely need every single spot back after the storm is done? If you do, then obviously we're going to have to do some snow mitigation with some trucking and some loader work, which is going to be a billable extra most of the time, unless they want you to include it in the RFP which is helpful to know. Um, And then the last is, do you guys have delivery trucks that come in and out like nonstop? You know, do you guys have a warehouse that, you know, maybe has uh, certain times where trucks come in to do offloads or onloads? And then do you have, um, do you have any food stuff, uh, cafeterias that have food deliveries that come in at a certain time? I know the campus I was on for about six years, four o'clock on the dot. It didn't matter if, you know, we had 15 inches or if we had two inches, that guy was there at four o'clock on the dot every single day. <laughs> it, it was great. You know, it, it really helped us keep with the flow of the property. Um, and, you know, it was something we could count on. There's not a lot that you can count on during a snowstorm. You kind of hope everybody stays home, but uh, when it comes to everybody that has to go to work, that it is what it is. Some guys are going to be in early, some guys are going to be on time, and then you get the trickle in after the commute that you get to deal with too. So those five right there uh those are the first ones i usually attack and i go for right off the bat and then from there usually i have the rfp in my hand and i get it highlighted out with either yellow orange or pink whatever i deem is priority secondary and you know optional so if i go through an rfp and you see a bunch of yellow usually it's an outdated version that probably needs some uh, clarification or some additional stuff added to it like you know Timelines for when stuff's going to be open, you know, timelines for how many guys need to be stationed at doors for uh, uh, commutes for PM or AM. And then on top of that, I'll ask them, what do you want to see as far as scraping and treating? You know, because we have a lot of sites that we'll treat after two or three scrapes to keep that brine layer going, you know, we'll do a nice spray or we'll do some granular treatments, but you know, most of the time they just want to see the doorways and stuff nice and crusty for people to walk in. So it's really the client perception at that point of what they want to see, which is always kind of helpful. But the fact is like, it's a moving target. Every single RFP is a moving target and they change so constantly because we've almost kind of, we've built a generation that demands instant satisfaction. They want to see wet pavement, whether there's snow falling from the sky or it's snowing four inches an hour. So we, we kind of, as Good as we are as snow industry professionals, the better we get at it and the faster we get at, it, the faster they expect us to be at it, which can be a little daunting. But you can usually navigate it pretty well if you just educate them on why it's going to take X, Y, and Z amount of time to do. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Agree with everything you just said. Actually,
0: yeah, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, we definitely now, have tra- trained them that way.
0: Yes, I, I, yeah, I think so. Now, in the to go over a little training. Michael, do you find when you're dealing with property managers, do you find they are receptive to being educated to our needs as a snow contractor? Or are they like, this is how it is. This is how we want it done and just do what you're paid for. Or do they take your your advice
2: in certain areas? No, absolutely. So they, um, they are very receptive because they're also very green and they're trying to figure it out themselves. So that they kind of look good in front of their boss. So usually with the questions we ask, they're there's some follow-up that comes along with it, but there's usually not a lot of questions after they just usually write it down and bring it back to whoever they deal with internally. Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
1: Yep. Definitely. Let, they got to let the snow professionals do their job. I mean, that's what they're hiring us for hiring sure. us to
0: do. So we're good at what we do and they're good at what they do. So, you know, the, the timeframes uh, you know, what specific timeframes do things have to get done on a site? That was important to me. Um, I know you guys do a lot of site specific equipment and stuff. We have a, a large amount of properties in a very small area that we are able to share equipment between sites because they're literally two hundred yards down the road. So right. for us, it's big to ask what is this time frame of when you need this opened, when you need us to be done and out of there, because it might not fit into certain people's production schedules if they're sharing equipment or if they have a if they have a lack of you know, not everybody has 46 loaders sitting in their building or 38 loaders, whatever, that they can roll out to everything. Some guys are one truck outfits or two truck outfits that are trying to grow. So the time frame that they have to service the area is important to know if they can fit it logistically into their production schedules. So I, that's a great point right there
2: that you made. But it's also like gauging their expectation level too. Like we can only do so much. And if it's still snowing, like what we'll have is usually a dedicated piece of equipment in that lot. So that kind of mitigates, you know, if they need it to be open at a certain time, it's going to be broken open. And usually the only thing that's covered is like the absolute corners of those islands and that's it. But after a storm, if it ends at like 1, 2 a.m. and it needs to be open by four, yeah, there's usually no excuse. Like just bang it out, do your cut work and get some some product on it as fast as you can and then let the sun do the rest of it for you. Gotcha. Do you have a lot of properties (laughs) with chloride restrictions? You know, I feel like we're picking up more just because of somewhere these properties are ending up now. And it's usually like older properties that are being converted and expanded on. So if they already have wetlands there, we kind of have to follow the uh, the rules that the, the town conservation committee has in place. But sometimes those rules are outdated. You know what I mean? Sometimes those rules don't even exist because you'll look at the parking lot next to you and you know, Jimmy Smith chucking a truck is just dumping salt on the place He's been <laughs> doing it for 15 years, you know, and no one says boo and gives him a fine. And then the, the, the town trucks come down the road and they pace the place with a huge amount of granular. And oh, yeah. you know, We're sitting there trying to keep with the RFP to make sure that we're covering our butts. And, you know, we're, we're using straight sand on some places and, you know, you get the, the street sweepers in there like three, four times a season just to keep it down. But it. It's kind of like a 10%, 90% mixture for us at this point, thankfully, but we'd all like to see that lower. Gotcha. Yeah, Jeremy, the other day in our
0: last episode, touched upon like different products being used on different structures, like parking garages, ramps, bridges, stuff like that. And that's important. That's an important question to to bring up. Are we going to have to stock multiple salt products or de-icing products on this site if you have those kind of things, park, elevated parking garages, bridges, stuff like that? So, I mean, I know Jeremy deals with that a lot. I I don't have that problem, thank God. Uh, You know, we're straight IBG across the board. Uh, So, that's not a problem for us. But, like, Jeremy could probably tell you all about the the issues with storing multiple chlorides. Oh,
2: yeah. I mean, the parking garages that we do, there was only ever one in my life when I started managing the property. You know, after the storm was done, we'd have to go up there and sand it with just straight sand in a pickup truck. And thankfully they stopped us from having to do that because they realized it was actually causing way more damage to their expansion joints and everything and their drain system and all that. So now they just, because of COVID and everything, they pretty much just shut the deck down until it absolutely needs to be plowed. So because no one uses it anymore. So it's just, it's vacant. And a lot of their properties that have um, parking garages, they'll let us use calcium chloride or magnesium chloride and we'll get those boss cubes for the skid steer. And we'll kind of run around after we scrape it off and then just cone it off and let the sun melt it off from that point. But yeah, parking garages are a massive, massive uh, liability when it comes to damage from chlorides. It's tough. So you're the other guy that bought
0: the Boss Quick Cube. I (laughs) I have one. I was looking for the other guy that bought it because you don't see them anywhere out there. We actually just use the pods for salt storage on sites for our sidewalk machines.
2: Here's the killer though. That thing takes a full pallet of calcium chloride. So it's, It's got to be a good-sized parking deck, or you're going to be filling up two pallets to do one layer. Absolutely. Jim, you you got anything on his five points? I just love how you guys keep saying uh, we'll put a little
1: salt down; the sun will take care of it. That doesn't happen out here. (laughs) That's (laughs) true, though.
0: Negative 30. You You guys guys, need that
1: Yeah, well, not very often here and there, but, yeah, it's been – yeah, it's not been a good year. sun's – I'd say the sun's kind of out today, but – yeah, it's, it usually goes hides most of December and January. So, yeah, so we don't no get temperatures. We don't get those temperatures you guys get.
0: So, yeah, we'll we'll put some salt down.
2: I won't tell you what the temperature is here today.
0: I think I'm at. I gotta be in the high 40s, low 50s right
2: now. It's uh, oh, really? it hasn't dropped yet. I'm. I was at 64 at one point today. Now I'm down to 52. 64. Yeah. It's <laughs> dropping into the teens tonight overnight.
0: So, you're having like a 40 degree temperature swing in 12 hours. So, we got refreeze warnings tonight because we just had rain. But you you guys
1: have the snow stuff made. You guys push a little snow, (laughs) put a little bit of salt behind you, and then it's like, looks like dry payment forever. I mean, you guys got it made.
0: Don't hate. hate. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No. Do you, uh, Jeremy? You got anything about these five points that you can add to Mike? What Mike's saying? Because uh, no, I was just. This is
1: all uh, good stuff. Yeah. We have the same uh, same deal where you know you got to have certain areas open up by a certain time. Yeah, it's good to know that. Obviously, so I mean, I don't know how you guys are, but a lot of my my guys are. They like to go clean the spot a lot where nobody's at. They don't want to clean where people are. You know, if there's a couple of cars yeah. in the front oh, of the store, they'll. Yeah, they'll go to they'll go to the back corner where no one's gonna park all day, and so they go up front and like, hey, <laughs> let's clean this area here. They're not gonna use that area. I know it's a lot nicer out here where no cars are, but that's uh, uh let's work on the front. Yeah, employees are gonna be the first ones there, so let's kind of get their area open. But no, we we train them in there; they get pretty good. So, yeah, it's definitely
2: getting snow during the year. It's like the training aspect is just like redundant at that point. Like, you oh can't yeah, and the oh, same yeah. thing, but there's no snow to back it up. Yep.
0: Yep. That's for sure. You guys are having a tough one for sure. No snow, Michael, if I can, one question about your RFPs and your contracts and stuff. Do you specify refreeze events? Like maybe two, three days after the event is over, it's all cleaned up and you have a melt off, off the roof, off, uh, off the piles, you know, maybe not all of it went into the storm drain and some of it refroze. Do you have a, a anything in your contract to determine is that a billable extra? Is that
2: included? So we do. And a lot of our contracts, I think over 90% of them at this point are zero T. So no matter what they're getting the AM and the PM and the variable contracts will, they won't necessarily pay for it unless we specify, you know, we're going to have a crew on site just in case until the morning commutes over. But normally Uh, There's going to be a crew there after a snowstorm until there's no runoff. So until the last pile is gone, there's always going to be a crew for an AM and a PM check. Gotcha.
0: Okay. Good for me. Thank you, Mike. Uh, Jeremy, you got anything else to add to this? Because we are perfect on time right now. No, I mean, he pretty much touched on all the stuff that the RFPs call
1: for and how to to make sure you know what you're asking for and what's going to happen. It's all going to
0: affect your pricing and your profit margin.
1: Yep, yeah, it all falls down to you informing uh, your customer what you want to do, and and you guys got to work together and make sure it's going to work between the two of you. To be honest, you know?
2: absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. It also kind of helps out weed the uh, the contractors out there aren't really uh, set up to do those spaces. You know what I mean? Like the yes, sir, without a doubt, want to do it, and they're so close to being at that stage to take on a site of that caliber, but you got to have the manpower and the machines to back and the experience to back it up. You have to, oh, yeah. otherwise you're just setting yourself up for failure. Mm-hmm. Gotcha.
0: All right. Well, Mike, thank you very much for that. That was great. That was exactly what we were looking to do with this episode. And I really appreciate you coming on and we're going to have to have you come back and do another one real soon. Cause that was, oh, uh, that too. was perfect. Right. I appreciate your time. All right, guys. So, listen, I hope this was informative for everybody and you got at least one thing out of it that you could take with you. Um, like I said, no one thing is going to work for every company, but we hope you can take some something that you heard today and use it with success in your own company. So, guys, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. And uh, keep pushing.